John chapter 11. If you um, have been in church very much, even if it's been a while, um, you probably are somewhat familiar with John chapter 11. And this is the raising of Lazarus from the dead. So there, there's a spoiler alert right away. Right? Lazarus is sick. He's going to die. Jesus is going to raise him from the dead. Jesus is going to give those famous words, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. What a promise that is, amen. What a hope we have in the resurrection of Jesus. So John chapter 11, here's the setting. Jesus is away and, and, and he gets word that Lazarus, his friend, is sick. So it's Lazarus and, and, and Mary and Martha. This is, is it's two sisters, a brother. They're friends of Jesus. Jesus would stay with them often in Bethany. Bethany was a little bedroom community of Jerusalem about a mile and a half away. And so he would stay with them and sometimes walk into Jerusalem. And, and so Jesus knows them. Jesus loves them. Jesus spends time with them. And word gets to Jesus that Lazarus, his friend, is sick. It says that, uh, verse number three, his sisters sent unto him saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. And when Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death or the final result of this sickness isn't going to be death in its finality. He said, but for the glory of God, that the son of God might be glorified thereby. Now, Jesus loved Martha and, his, and her sister and Lazarus. But here's the thing. Verse six tells us this. He stayed where he was for two days. And here's where, here's where our lives intersect with this story. Here's where this true account of Lazarus dying, of Lazarus being sick and dying, here's where it intersects with us because we often go through difficult times. We've maybe experienced sickness of a loved one, maybe this exact thing where someone that we love, that we pray for God to heal. And God doesn't heal them. Maybe a situation in your life where you are, you're, you're wondering really what is God doing? Or what is God not doing? Why is he not doing something? And we, like Mary and Martha, can get confused. Why isn't God doing something? Why isn't God intervening when he can? When we think he should? And we wrestle with that. Verse 7 says, Then after that saith he to his disciples, Let us go into Judea again. So now Jesus, after it's too late, it's like, yeah, let's go ahead and go into Judea. His disciples say unto him, Master, the Jews of late, they sought to stone you. And, and you want to go there? Jesus then answers this. He says, Are there not 12 hours in the day, if any man walk in the day? Is there 12 hours of daylight? Like if, if you walk in the day, you're not, gonna, not going to stumble because he seeth the light of the world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth because there's no light in him. So Jesus is basically saying he is the light. He is in this, he was in the world when he entered his creation as a human, as the God-man. He entered his creation and he had a window of time. He had a short time um, to accomplish the will of his father. So Jesus like, there's a short time. That we have and my father's will is going to be accomplished. And he said, 
After that, he saith to them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may awake him out of sleep. And his disciples are like, Lord, if, if he sleeps, like, he's doing well. It's like, hey, if he's sick and he's asleep, like, isn't that good? Just sleeping it off. Like, we do that, right? Down some NyQuil and just sleep off the sickness until we feel better. Lazarus is sleeping. But they didn't get it. Jesus wasn't talking about a physical sleep. This was a euphemism of that he died. So then Jesus plainly tells them in verse 14, he says, Lazarus is dead. Verse 15, this is baffling. He says, I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there to the intent that ye may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. So Jesus plainly tells him Lazarus is dead. And he says, for your sake, I'm glad. For your sake. Because what we're going to see here is through Jesus' earthly ministry, all of the miracles that he did, they were to point to his deity, to prove that he was God, to vindicate his message that he said that his claims were true, that he claimed to be God, and he proved he was God by his miracles. And he says, for your sake, I'm glad. And for our sake, for all of us who wrestle with and struggle with God's timing. For those of us that have lost a loved one way too early for our sake. For those of us that are wrestling right now with the situation that we don't understand why it's in our life. And why God's brought it. And why God doesn't do anything. Or why it seems like God is doing nothing for your sake. He says, nevertheless, let us go unto him. So then Thomas speaks up and he says, let us also go that we may die with him. You know, Thomas is just this pessimist, right? Thomas is like, we're going to die. Jesus, you, you are making these God claims and, and now they're after you. People want you dead. They want to kill you. And Thomas is like, if we go, we're all going to die. But you have to hand it to him. He's a bold pessimist. He's like, we're going to die, but I'll go with you. Let's go. Well, I mean, he was willing, right? He was willing to put his life on the line. But he's like, man, this is bad. We're going to die. They're going to kill you. And he wasn't entirely wrong, right? Shortly after this, this account, this passage, when Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead, the religious leaders are going to lose their mind. And they're even going to say, if we don't stop him, everyone's going to go to him and believe. So they're going to then speed things up in their attempt to kill him. So they're going to go to Bethany. And it says, verse 17. Then when Jesus came, he found that he had lain in the grave four days already. So he's coming, but Lazarus, it's too late. Lazarus died. Lazarus has been in the grave already. So verse 20, Mar Martha Soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. So Martha hears he's coming finally. And so she goes out to meet him. In fact, she goes out to confront him. Martha, like you can just tell her personality is just one that's not afraid of a confrontation. Like, you know, anybody know somebody like that? They're not afraid to confront someone if, if there needs to be a confrontation, right? How many of you know somebody like that? How many of you, be honest, that's you. You are that person, right? Well, this was Martha. 
Martha's going to meet Jesus, and she just plainly says, Jesus, if you had been here, my brother had not died. If you would have come when we first called, if you would have come when he was sick, he wouldn't, we wouldn't be having a funeral right now. Right? They knew Jesus. They loved Jesus. They believed, they believed that they saw his miracles. They saw him heal the sick. They knew that Jesus could have done something about it. It's like if you would have been here, he wouldn't have died. But yet you see, even in her pain and hurt and heartache, she's still going to express faith. She says, I know that even now, whatsoever thou will ask of God, God will give it thee. Right? She's expressing this She's expressing this faith. We saw that a little bit when we were looking at some of the Psalms over the, this last month where we read these Psalms. These Psalms are songs and they're, and they're prayers and, um, and, and they're just heartfelt, just honest, open songs. I think that's somebody that's not even up here. So the game's got us. Thank you. <laughs> and, and yet it's like, almost borderline of like disrespect how like some of these prayers and these song would approach god well you know martha even in her pain even in her pain and sorrow but she's still expressing this faith jesus said to her he says your brother's gonna rise again lazarus is gonna rise again and so martha's thinking yeah he's a believer like he's going to rise in the resurrection at the last day. So she's thinking, okay, here it is. I'm grieving. I'm in pain. And now it's going to be this, this theology lecture. Oh, it's going to be okay one day. And by the way, that's a great hope. Amen. We anchor ourselves in that hope of knowing that, that there is a better day coming. There's this, this life as it is now is not how it will always be. There's a, a future resurrection when Christ returns and this world as it is with the pain, sorrow, sin, and suffering, it's not how it will always be, but we wrestle in the middle of it. We struggle in the middle of it. We have sorrow and pain and heartache in the middle of it. But Jesus says to her, and this verse here is so powerful. He said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. And then he says, do you believe this? He says, believest thou this? She said, I believe. I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. She's professing her faith. That Jesus truly is the Messiah. That he is the Christ. And when, he had, when she so said, she went her way and called Mary, her sister, secretly saying, The master has come and calleth for thee. And as soon as she heard that she arose quickly and she came to him. So Jesus has not yet come into the town, right? Because Martha went out to meet him when he was on his way. And so at this time, verse 31 says, the Jews which were, were with her in the house, they comforted her. They saw when Mary rose up hastily and went, they followed her. And they said, she's going to the grave to weep there. So this group of, of Jews, they had other fellow believers that were there with them, just comforting them. Just mourning with them. This is called, this is called the ministry of just presence. 
just being there. They had people that were just there for them. And, and you know what that's like, and you know the importance of that. When you're grieving, when you're in pain, when you're in sorrow, when you've had someone die suddenly, or even not suddenly, when, when you've gone through or going through a trial, you know how much that means to just have people there with you. And know that. It's not so much even about what we say, though always look for opportunity to speak truth to people. Always look for an opportunity to give people not empty words, but, but, but true words of peace and comfort when they're going through difficult times. But sometimes it's just being there, just being in the presence. And they had people there that were, that were with her, that were grieving with them. And this would have been in their culture, something just for days and days, people would come, they'd show up and just weep and mourn and mourn with them. In our culture, so often it's, we go to a funeral, we pay our respects, and then life goes on. Just back to normal, unless it's your loved one. Life doesn't go back to normal. Life will never go back to normal. But they would come and just weep with each other and mourn with each other. So they're following Mary out, and Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping, which came to her. And he groaned in spirit and was troubled, and said, Where have ye laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. Verse 35, the shortest verse in Scripture says, Jesus wept. That Jesus expressed this emotion. Jesus knew he was about to raise Lazarus from the dead. Jesus knew this was temporary. He knew this pain and sorrow was, was going to be over in just really a short time. But yet he still expressed sorrow. He still wept and grieved with them. And you know, we know that our sorrow, our pain of us, of the ones we loved, it's temporary. We know it's not going to last. We know it won't be forever. But it doesn't mean that we don't, that we can't and shouldn't be sorrowful at the brokenness of this world. Doesn't mean we can't show emotion during times of loss, during times of grief, during times of heartache. Jesus felt what we feel. See, we have a Savior that can actually sympathize and know how we feel, not just because he's God and he created all things and he knows all things and he knows us better than we even know ourselves, but also because he experientially came into this world, he left the bliss, the glory, the splendor, the comfort of heaven, and willingly took on human flesh. That willingly lived among us to feel what we feel. To feel the grief and the sorrow, the pain, the agony, the disappointment, the betrayal. Jesus not just knows how we feel, he experienced it when he took on human flesh. He never ceased to be God, but yet he took on full human flesh to experience those things. He never sinned. He never felt the pain of his own sin. He never felt the consequence of his own sin because he went to the cross sinless. But yet he felt all the effects that sin has on this world. In fact, he even took our shame and our guilt. He took our sin upon himself on the cross. He knows what we feel. He knows what we suffer. What a savior. 
who would humble himself in that way to come for us. It would be, this is not by any stretch of the imagination, a, a perfect picture or illustration, but it would be like us leaving the comfort of where we live now to move overseas or, or even maybe here in the United States, the worst possible place you could live, the most uncomfortable, the most dangerous place, or to willingly volunteer to find the worst prison in the world and say, I'm going to go and live there. I'm going to leave the comfort and bliss and safety of my home and go and live there. That's what Jesus did. He came to us. He left heaven to come to the sin-cursed earth. And he felt and feels what we feel. He wept and said the Jews, behold, he loved them. Some of them said, could not this man have opened the eyes of the blind and caused that even this man should not have died? So you see that believers, we even in sorrow, we express our faith, but then the doubters, they're going to express their doubt. They're going to be the critics. Oh, if there's a God, how come this? If there really is a God, how come there's sin? How come there's suffering? How come there's pain? And we see that today, don't we? Some doubted. Some were critics. But then Jesus, therefore, again, groaning in himself, cometh to the grave, it was a cave and a stone lay upon it. And Jesus said, take ye away the stone. So Martha, the sister of him that was dead, said, Lord, this time he stinks. Like he's been dead four days. You're too late. There's a dead body for four days. Don't open, don't open this grave. Verse number 40, Jesus saith unto her, said I not unto thee that if thou wouldst believe Thou should see the glory of God. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. We see this unity of father and son. And I knew that thou hearest me always. But because of the people which stand by, I said it that they may believe that thou hast sent me. Jesus is praying this out loud, not for his sake. But for the sake of those around them. Why? So that they would believe Jesus. They would believe he was who he claimed to be. They would believe that he was sent from God the Father. And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes. And his face was bound with a napkin. And Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. Then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did, believed on him. I certainly would hope so. Right? They saw him raise Lazarus from the dead. They saw that he has power over the grave. He has power over death. But some went their way and they told the Pharisees, and told them what things Jesus had done. There was even some. Their response was unbelief. Their response was to go away and, and stir up the Pharisees again. And we know this truly will stir them up. Because they're going to say, if we don't stop him, everybody's going to follow him. It will be shortly after this that Jesus would die on the cross. But Jesus proved here that he has power over death. He proved that he is the resurrection and the life. That Jesus has the final word over death. That Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. 
Lazarus would go on to die again. Just like you and I, if we are alive when Christ returns, this body will eventually give out. This body will eventually decay. This body will eventually be placed in a tomb, be placed in the ground. We see that. We see that daily, this body, the aches and the pains. And we see daily how our body is, is not getting stronger and stronger. It's the opposite. And those of you in here who are young, trust me, that day will come. You will see that more and more. You'll feel the pain. You'll feel the effects of living in the sin-cursed world. And eventually, eventually all of us will die. Eventually all of us will be placed in the ground. We don't know when that time will be. People young and old die every day. We're constantly reminded of the brevity and the shortness of this life. That all of us will one day die. But Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. And shortly after this, Jesus would go to the cross. Jesus would die the most horrific death that somebody could die. Jesus would die by crucifixion. He'd be nailed to a cross. He would take our sin upon himself. He would be the sacrifice for our sins. Jesus lived the perfect righteous life that we could never hope to live. And then he died in our place on the cross. He died like a sinner. He died like a criminal even though he was without sin. He did that because he died in our place. That we who are rebels and sinners against a holy and righteous God who deserve nothing but God's judgment, we can experience his mercy because Jesus died on the cross in our place. And then Jesus on the third day would rise from the dead. He would come back from the dead. He would appear before his disciples. He would appear by to before as many as 500 witnesses we see in the book of Corinthians, which would have been an early creed of the church. And this would have been written. There's very, very little uh, controversy over the fact that that would have been written within a decade after Jesus rose from the dead. No, we aren't following fables. We aren't following myths. These were eyewitness accounts of people who saw Jesus resurrect, saw him after he resurrected from the dead. And we know that because they would go on to suffer greatly. All of his followers went from being fearful and running away before he was crucified. They ran away, but now after they saw him resurrected from the dead, they would run towards the danger. They would give their lives. All of them were beaten. All of them, most of them experienced time in, in, in a horrible prison. The vast majority of them possibly were martyred. We have really good good early evidence to say that at least three or four of his disciples died a martyr's death without any reasonable doubt. What changed? What made them fearful at one point to now running towards the danger? Fearless because they saw Jesus after he died. They saw him come back from the grave. The church would then be ignited. The church would explode. The church would then grow. We find that then Christianity would spread like wildfire. What was the difference? There were at least a dozen other self-proclaimed messiahs who were contemporaries of Jesus. Why is it today that no one knows their names? Why is it that outside of some obscure history that we have finding old manuscripts from, from, from early on that, that we, we read of, why is it that, that outside of those, no one knows who those self-proclaimed messiahs were? The reason is because they died 
and so did their following. But when Jesus died, he came back from the dead. And the early church then ignited and exploded with the message of the gospel. And now today, we celebrate at this very moment with a couple billion people around the world. What's the difference? The difference is that Jesus rose from the dead. The difference is that we have a resurrected Savior. That Jesus appeared before witnesses and then Jesus ascended into heaven. And Jesus right now is alive and well. That we have a resurrected Savior. That we have a resurrected King. That Jesus was who he claimed to be. And he was vindicated by his resurrection from the dead. He proved he was God. And Jesus rules and reigns now. And Jesus is coming again. And he's coming to judge the living and the dead. That Jesus is coming in power. And when he comes, when he comes, he will call you by name. Our body may be placed in the ground. We don't know when Jesus is returning. Our body, this could be years and years down the road. And our bodies will be placed in a grave. But when Christ returns, he will call you by name. He will call your loved ones by name who have died. Those that know him, those who are believers in Christ, though their bodies are in the ground, their spirit is with the Lord, but their body is in a tomb somewhere. Their body is placed and buried six feet under somewhere. But when Christ returns, he will call you. He will call me. He will call us by name. He will call your loved ones by name. There's a future resurrection that is coming. Why? Because Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And he that believeth on me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. The question is this, the same question that Jesus asked Martha. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Have you trusted in Jesus Christ personally as your Lord and Savior? Do you have that personal relationship with him? Because if you know Jesus, to know Jesus is to know and have eternal life. It's to know that there is a future that awaits all of us in the glory of heaven. When Jesus returns, this earth and heaven will become one. It'll be a new heaven, a new earth without pain, sickness, death, and sorrow. None of those things will be in his presence. None of those things will be in eternity. And Jesus proved that he's got power over sin. Proved that he has power over death. But see, you won't experience that resurrection to eternal life. If you don't experience a resurrection of Christ raising you to new spiritual life now. And that's why there's urgency. That's why we gather. That's why we preach the gospel. That's why we're not silent about our faith. We're bold with our faith of preaching the gospel, of telling people the good news, the glorious news, that we have a resurrected Savior who has defeated death. And you and I, we must all trust in Christ and believe the gospel, that Jesus died for our sins, that he was buried and that he rose again, and that through faith in him, we will have eternal life. Through faith in him, we will have new life because when we are saved, we're not just saved with a guaranteed ticket that one day we'll go to heaven. Jesus gives us new life the moment that we trust in him, the moment that we call upon him. 
It was so fitting today to be able to baptize three individuals at 9.30 and we recorded it. We'll show the video next week to the whole the entire church family. But these individuals recently have come to faith in Christ. Recently, and, and, and the thing is with all three of these individuals that were baptized today, all three of them came to faith in Christ out of really horrible circumstances in their life. And yet God used those things to bring them to faith in him, to show them their need of a savior, to show them that there is, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, that no one will come to the father but by him. Maybe today you've never experienced that new life. You've never truly trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and savior. And today, what better day than Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, 2023, for you to accept Christ, to you, for you to believe the gospel and turn to faith in Christ. We invite you today to do that. I'd love to talk with you today and help you and, and, and walk with you through that. Maybe you have questions. Maybe you have some objections. Maybe you're not even sure what all of that means. Would love to talk with you and help you today to come to know Jesus as your Savior. See, the gospel saves us the moment we trust Christ. And the promise for all believers is this, that no matter where we are in life right now, that there is a glorious day coming, that God can take whatever we're going through and God can bring beauty out of it. That's what our Savior does. He takes death and he brings life out of it. He takes the ashes of our life. He trades it for beauty. He takes our shame and turns it into glory. He takes our pain and he turns it into purpose and meaning. As I looked out this morning at 930 and saw so many people singing praise to God who have gone through so much tragedy in this life. Several of them today, as I looked out, seeing them singing and praising God. They've recently, just in the last several years, come to faith in Christ. Some have been saved for a long time. And I know that the, the things they faced of burying children, of burying a spouse, of, of going through tremendous pain and adversity. Yet today I look out and many of you, some I don't know, but many of you, I know your story. And I know what you have gone through. I know what you're going through. And yet we would testify and say, we have a savior. We have a savior who is the resurrection and the life. Who brings beauty out of ashes. Who takes our shame and gives glory. Who takes our sin and washes us and makes us clean. Who takes death and gives life. That's what Jesus does. That's what Jesus will do for each and every one who will come to him. And that's what we celebrate today on this Resurrection Sunday. That we serve, that we praise, that we worship a resurrected king. Let's pray. God.